Hi there. Welcome to OTs Get Paid, the podcast for OT entrepreneurs, where we learn about everything you need to know to move from thinking like a therapist to acting like a CEO and making good money along the way. Are you curious how to continue to be true to your mission of helping others as an OT and get paid what you're worth? Do you want to know the best tips that add zeros to your bank account? Do you wonder how other OTs do it too? I'm your host, Trish Williams, a Canadian, a mom, a not-so-closet choir nerd, an occupational therapist of over 26 years. I spent most of those years loving my profession, but secretly wishing I could get paid a lot more. Did I feel like I had an important job that had great impact on my clients and society? Check. Did I also wish I could feel validation in that work through getting paid enough to feel financial freedom? Check, check. So finally in my 40s, as a single mom who needed to get real with my income, I built two six-figure businesses including my latest as an OT entrepreneur coach at Trish Williams Consulting. And through this, I heard the secret shame that others felt the same way too. So I'm raising my voice and raising my profile of this issue and probably raising my prices. I'm here to talk about OTs making money. So let's do like Scrooge McDuck and dive into those giant piles of gold coins and get swimming and start this episode. Welcome, OT entrepreneurs, to episode 55 of the OTs Get Paid podcast. Today, we have another out-of-the-OT bubble expert. If you're not already a member of the OTs Get Paid Facebook group and you've become an OT get paid peep. I went online and asked the audience, really robust, interested people on our Facebook board, do you want to hear more from OTs or people outside of the bubble or both? And so many people said they wanted to hear from outside experts. I realize I'm using relatively negative language here, like outside our bubble and outside. I don't mean that. I just mean, okay, maybe I do. I'm just protective of us. And it's so nice to feel heard and wanted and seen. And I didn't want to undo any of that. And yet we all want great information to start, grow, and scale our businesses. And so today we have Karen Bryant. And Karen is the owner of Latitude Recruitment and HR. She started it four years ago, and she's grown it on average 100% each year. And right now, she focuses on working with small and medium-sized businesses to help with HR for growth, which is fantastic, except what the heck is HR? Because Trish, now I'm starting to panic. (laughs) At least that's what I think. There are pillars to HR. Here's the mistake that I see OT entrepreneurs making. We truck along. We are so, so, so focused on fulfillment, 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 fulfillment. And all of a sudden we hit a wall. We hit a wall in marketing. We hit a wall in operations. We hit a wall in finances. And indeed, we're also going to hit a wall in fulfillment. And so A, we start hiring too late. B, we have no idea where to turn to. We don't know if this thing is called HR. We don't know if this thing is called operations. You know, you might have listened to some podcasts. You really don't know where to turn to anyways. And today, Karen is going to start breaking that down. She's going to talk about prep, knowing what the HR and ops resources you need to have and what you should have. 
for your small business. We're not like overwhelming. This is not overwhelm. We filtered this for you. We're looking at people and performance. Do you have things to onboard and manage your staff? Do you have performance appraisals, training and development? And do you have policies and procedures about retention, employment policies, SOPs, etc.? Now, honestly, this can also make my eyes glaze over. We want you to do the bare minimum of what you need to do, depending on your business. And we talk about that as well, what to really, really focus on in order for you to grow. This is not, you know... BizKnob Course 101, where you should have these things, wah, 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 Charlie Brown adult standing at the front of the room. This is actionable, important, filtered, what you really need to do now, content. And guess what? Karen also has a degree in behavioral psych, which really shows during this interview because, man, does she get OTs or what? Let's bring her on. Welcome, Karen. Hi, Trish. How are you? Good. I'm so glad you're here. Now, before we jump in to the meat of this, I always love, as an international business owner myself, meaning anybody that's not in the USA bubble, you too are an international business person. Where are you speaking to us from today? I am talking to you from Melbourne in Australia, and it's about 5.30 in the morning. Gosh, thank you so much. So what's your house like right now if it's 5.30 in the morning and you have a family? It's quiet, but I have, I spoke to all my kids last night and I have bribed them ridiculously so they would stay quiet. I'm not sure if it's going to work, but if you hear kids running in and out, but I, I told everyone I would take them for ice cream on the weekend if they stay quiet. This is amazing. So here's the thing that I love. Those that are listening, Karen is probably, I'm going to say our fourth guest that's not an OT in our episodes. And one of the things that I love is when you get, again, somebody that's female, female identifying, small business owner, has kids, has the dog, right? Like you're going through the exact same thing. And I just love that you're going to be so vulnerable and transparent with us because I'm sitting in a closet, y'all. Like (laughs) we are literally all doing our best and bringing great value. And if Karen and I can kind of swing it from bribing to ice cream to sitting in a closet, you can too, those people who are listening. All right. So Karen, tell us how you get paid. It's the first question I ask everybody, which really means tell us about you and what you do. Okay. So I'm a wife and a mom of three kids. My oldest is eight. And I run a recruitment company and I've been running it for about four years. And then about 12 or so months ago, I realized that loads of my clients and loads of other people I was talking to were having the same problems with their HR, lack of systems, lack of documents, and a few other performance issues. So I started developing a HR program and that's what I've been working on quite a lot the last few months. And it definitely helped, gave me something to do in lockdown, which is a bit of a lockdown project as well. Um, <laughs> with three so yeah, kids and a dog, you needed more to do in lockdown? I, I think I needed something else okay. for my brain apart <laughs> something from like else. learning. Yeah, something <laughs> for me that I thought, I feel like I want to take the time to, that I would have, you know, something tangible at the end of it. Yeah, so that's been, that's been a really rewarding project. So, yeah, run a recruitment company and then this HR course has kind of morphed from that just because, yes, so many people I was talking to 
and clients were saying, hey, I'm missing this. I don't have this. Hey, this has happened. Why? And it's kind of morphed into that. So yeah, apart from working kids, I don't, I don't have too, too many other hobbies or anything like that. It's all just um, working kids, basically. Listen, I consider work a hobby as well. And kids, not a hobby. But, you know, I know I feel yeah. the same way. Like I'm not yeah. exactly throwing down crochet on the weekends. No. Right? no. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Me neither. Well, you know, we've had a person that specialized in staffing on the podcast a couple of episodes ago. I think it's episode, oh, I should know this, 52, 53. So those of yeah. you who are listening to this and want more information on the recruitment or the staffing piece, go and listen to that. And what I want to focus with Karen today is on HR. Now, here's a little bit of the behind the scenes. Karen and I currently belong to the same mastermind group. And Karen, in the course of listening about her business and knowing that the OTs get paid audience, the paid peeps wanted more expertise from people who were outside the OT bubble, I reached out to Karen and said, hey, would you come on and talk about this for our peeps? She said, sure. And that's about all I know about HR. (laughs) So... Please consider me to be, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't have a clue what HR is, I got your back. (laughs) I'm not sure I know what it is exactly either. So we are going, I sit from a a newbie place where I think a lot of our listeners are sitting from. So why don't you tell us a bit about HR? I mean, you know, let's take it from the very beginning. Super. And you're definitely not alone. So many people I talk to kind of say, oh, I I think I know what it is or is it this? And they just, there's a lot of gap. And I think anyone who's come from a big corporate thinks that HR is a function that kind of does paperwork, ticks boxes and kind of enables things, but that's kind of about it. There's not a great internally in those organisations. Often they're thought of as a non-value add that, that, you know, they're not doing the the business of the company. It's just kind of ticking boxes internally. Well, um, I'm glad you said it and not me. <laughs> well, that, that's really the perception. That's it's, yeah, the that's, question that's that I have as you're going along and answering this is like, who cares? Like to me, yeah. it just looks like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Like I'm not, I'm the accidental entrepreneur. We talk about that yeah. all the time on this podcast. I didn't set out to be like, we, let me just do all this busy work. Like I actually look at things that I'm quote unquote supposed to do or think I'm supposed to do and go, oh, flip. No way. Yeah. And yeah. to me, this is what HR, so again, thank you for letting no, me it's, bias. So with it's, that lens. Yeah, it's so good because that that is really what a lot of small business owners think. So then they don't, they don't have anything in place. So what I think HR um, should be about, especially for small business, is all about performance and all about managing your staff to get the most out of them, to making sure that you're protected as well, to make sure you've got the right documentation in place to make sure that your business is, yeah, protected from risks in terms of, you know, the people are signing documents when you start, that they've got contracts, that they've got position descriptions, that you're meeting with them regularly or like all of this stuff. I really feel like small business HR isn't at all about just ticking mindless boxes. It's protecting your company and gearing up your team, however small it is, for really high performance. You know, you can have a small but really mighty team in a small business and go really far. Whereas I think if people put that kind of HR hat on and think, great, I'm, I am the owner, I am an entrepreneur, I really need to gear up my team. It's not necessarily just about me and my performance. It's about how I can energize the people around me. And if you can get them 
really rising their performance levels, then it's amazing. You know, your team will absolutely grow and your business can scale even with a tiny amount of people, which is, I think, magic. So yeah, that's that's HR, I think, in a nutshell. It's beautifully said. I even started taking notes because I wanted <laughs> to make sure I understood it. Okay, quickly, if you can describe, we have a quiz about this, by the way. Yeah. And I really want people to get clear. You use the word scale. We mm. have people that are in the start, grow and scale yeah. phase. And I'm constantly trying to educate our people about that, which is why we have a quiz and why it's important. Could you explain in your words what start, grow and scale is from your point of view? Oh, okay. I think starting is literally starting from the start. So it's a one-person business in my head and just starting to do whatever business that you're you're taking on, that really initial phase of setting up and doing your business. Then the grow phase, I think, is when you start hiring. And once you get the people in the right spot, then I think you can scale. You know, once you've got your procedures and policies in place, then you can literally then start to go get bigger and scale. That's kind of is that I what scaling means to you? Does it mean I think it bigger? is, yeah, to to grow but in a like systematic way. That's how yeah. I kind of think about it. Like like there's almost a method to go, okay, it's kind of like, you know, reading right, this is what we do. There's a, a list almost or like you know, a formula to follow. That to me is what scaling is, I think. Is that, is that, is that right? And thank you for letting me put you on the spot because I know I can see your eyes a little bit and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. Trish, wait a second. <laughs> answer to this, which is great because I think that's kind of what I see. Yeah, like you can continue yeah. to grow with doing less in a way. Like it's more of a system. Yeah. It's more of a Yeah, system. yeah. I think Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, calls it a flywheel, right? Like it's yeah. just, it keeps spinning. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's like in a really systematic way. I think that's to yeah. me what scaling is, but yeah. Agreed. I hope we're right. (laughs) I hope we're right too. So I want to dive deeper into that topic about HR. But before we proceed, again, I continue to highlight you are one of us. You are a small business owner. Most people in our circle identify as female. You are young. You are one of us. So I would love to get a bit of insight into your income and your Hey, Trish. Yes, Ashley? As an OT entrepreneur who's just starting to make money, I bet you've thought, oh my gosh, I just got my first few clients. What the heck do I do now? Don't worry. At Therabyte, we have you covered. We heard you and we created intake and consent templates just for you. So you've downloaded the template and now you can say, amazing, I know exactly how to get my clients started. Oh, I wish I'd had this in the beginning. I pulled everything together and needed something this efficient. Okay. So where can listeners find these templates, Ashley? Super easy. The link will be in the show notes. You just hop over to our website, find templates, and you've got your download. Sounds great. Impact now and for the company a few years out. Sure. So I think my goals for this year, I really want to focus on increasing my profit margin. Mm-hmm. We have a, for the recruitment side, it's low margin, high volume. So I really want to make sure we can improve that profit piece. And in terms of impact with our course, I really want to get it out to as many small business owners as we can, because I've seen that there's just so many little pieces that if people can get it in place, that it really does help people to grow their business and and to limit problems. So I really am passionate about helping people. I think probably like a lot of your listeners that I really love 
helping and, and, and working with people and, and seeing the transformation. So that's really important to me as well, working with people this coming year to like overhaul their, their setup. So that's mm-hmm. kind of really exciting for me. I love that. I'm going to tell you that not everybody listening understands what a profit margin is and what high volume means. Can you break that down really simply for the people that are listening that don't understand? Sure. So a profit margin is what you make after all of your expenses are taken out. So you make your revenue, kind of your big bucket of money, and then you have to pay all your bills and all of the other stuff, you know, any registrations or just anything that you get in your business that you have to pay for. And what's left at the end is your profit margin. So for me, that's something that I really want to increase because mm-hmm. on paper, it looks like my business makes a lot of money. It's mm-hmm. kind of in the early millions at the moment, mm-hmm. but that's not what I make. So I want to make sure that we can try and increase what we make as a business as a percentage. I think that's a really important topic. And I'll briefly share a story. One of the first clients that came to me that was a seven-figure business, I didn't even ask them what their profit margin was. And I remember thinking like, wow, they're kicking butt and taking names. And then eventually, I think it was our third or fourth time really diving. They hired me one-on-one. So I really got to do a deep dive into their business. And I realized that, you know, what they were left with at the end of a couple million dollars every year was about, I can't remember, I think it was about 75K. And yeah. Even though I knew it kind of conceptually, that surprised me because I've seen people that, you know, gross $200,000 a year and are left over with 75 k So again, some of you listening to this are totally going to understand it. You're like, yep, 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 let's move on. But to others, because we do have a range of people that are in the start, grow, and scale phase, this is really important. And it's something that I teach in my 100K club is how to actually increase your profit margin without necessarily having to go out and like build all these new products and sell a whole bunch more stuff and get all these people, right? So Mm. I'm grateful to your answer. Thank you for highlighting that piece. It's an important piece. All right. So you've talked about managing staff. You've talked about protecting your business from risk. You've talked about the CEO mindset, which I love. You said like, I am the owner. And even with a tiny amount of people around you, Tell us what are some of the most common mistakes that you see people like in the solopreneur range, like many of us, or in the early growth stage that they're making by not having HR in place? Mm -hmm. I think from the solopreneur, it's not as much, I guess, of a risk. It's more when you have people Mm -hmm. But for the solopreneur, I think a lot of people are reluctant to hire and make totally. that first step because it it makes it official, it makes it real. Where mm-hmm. if someone hires, you know, it, it makes it all very real. So I think that first step is probably the reluctance to hire someone and delegate, and then because you always kind of have that mentality as an owner of, oh, no one will do it as good as me or, you know, something to that effect. And you know what? They definitely can. (laughs) If you train them well enough, they will absolutely um, probably outshine you and do a far better job, which is amazing. But in that really kind of small space, the biggest thing I see, I think, is just people not actually checking in and talking to their staff. And it's more just about their performance and about yeah, checking in and saying, hey, how are you? How are you going? And especially in this post-COVID world, checking into someone's mental health is super important just to 
really show that you care and say, hey, how are you? You know, really, are you okay? Is there anything I can be doing? How is your work going? Do you have too much work? Do you not have enough? You know, what's the kind of breakdown? Having those one-on-one conversations, most of the time people don't do. And I really encourage any of my clients to sit down weekly with their person for 15 minutes and just say, hey, how are you going? And then it's a really great time if you are doing it every week. If performance issues come up, you can talk about it in that time. So you can say to someone, when you did this, you know, earlier in the week, I saw that maybe you could do it like this, or maybe that probably wasn't the best way. Can I show you how that might happen? Or can I show you something? It's a really training and and a teachable moment that so many people miss. And what we see is people will say, oh, well, I've I've hired so-and-so and they're not working out. And it's been six weeks or eight weeks and, you know, they started and I put them on the front desk or I have them doing whatever and they haven't done a good job. And I say, okay, great. Did you onboard them properly? No, no, I didn't do that. Did you train them? Oh, sort of. I gave them a half day. And okay, have you talked to them? Have you given feedback? Well, not really. Like I've been too busy. It's fine. And and that's what I see. And I think that's the biggest thing that that communication just isn't there. And it's because sometimes we don't want to have the icky feeling and say, telling someone that they're not doing a great job, but it's so much better in the beginning to say, hey, could you do this a little bit differently? Or, hey, can I show you, or have I showed you this? I know I was guilty of that with my own team. When I had an administrator start, it, we were a few months in and she did something, I think, different to what I had expected. And my first thing, I went, oh, have I have I showed you this? And I don't think I had. And, and you know, it wasn't that she, she was giving it a go, but it was different to how I would have done it. So, I, you know, I'm definitely not immune to that myself, but now I'm really conscious of, addressing any kind of performance things straight away because they don't get out of hand and you don't have weeks and months where people say, oh, yeah, so-and-so is not working. But I haven't told them that they're not working out and they're not performing well, but I haven't told them that. So it's that communication consistently is such a big deal, I think, for small business owners. And it's free, you know, you don't have to pay for it. It's just taking the time to do it. We like free. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So... Two thoughts. I have one thought and a question. Mm-hmm. As you're talking, I'm thinking about so many of the OT entrepreneurs that I've spoken to. I mean, hundreds and hundreds. And what often happens is lousy therapists don't really become OT entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And lousy therapists are often promoted within the traditional system. So I've spoken to many, many OT entrepreneurs who have been in managerial roles, who have taken on students. Student placement is a massive professional requirement in our world. Mm -hmm. And so I'm guessing that most people listening to this podcast have had some type of student feedback experience. I mean, not as the student, but as Mm -hmm. the mentor to the student or the supervisor to the student, or supervisor to even a few therapists or therapy assistants on a more traditional hospital-based team. And yet, when it comes time to supervise our own people, even if it's a very simple virtual assistant that you're hiring for $10 tasks, even your bookkeeper where you're almost managing up, those are my first two Mm -hmm. recommends for hires. We panic because we're really nice people. So I find that a really interesting dichotomy. So there's a conflict avoidance piece and there's also a hiring too late piece, Mm -hmm. which is like, holy flip, 
I should have hired four people. That's the other thing that I see. So how do people get over that conflict avoidance piece and the I don't have time to even brush my own teeth piece? That's a tough one. The, the I don't have time to brush my own teeth is really difficult because if you have hired too late, giving someone the time when they start to make sure there's a proper onboarding process is really important. And that's actually going to take more time in the long run. If you're not onboarding properly and not training, it's going to be an absolute nightmare, you know, a week, a month, two months down the track. So it's so much better to plan it properly when people are starting and to make the time and make sure I think it's all about thinking strategically on, okay, well, I've, I'm here now. I need to get here in three or six months. Who do I need to hire today or start hiring today so I can do that in a really smooth kind of light way and make sure it's not putting extra pressure on because that's often what people do, hire and then don't onboard or train properly. So that's definitely a common theme. But really thinking clearly, taking the time and being really clear and honest with your person as well. And even telling them, hey, I'm under the pump at the moment. I'm really trying hard. If you need anything, maybe again, that really clear communication. So your person knows, okay, they're doing their best and how can we work together? So having those really clear lines of communication, I think is super important. And then the second, the avoiding conflict one is awful and I hate it. And it makes you, you know, get really funny in the tummy and you don't want to do it. Because we're therapists. We have hard conversations for a living. Like it's such an economy for us. It is, but you know, it's, it's something to really think about that it is so much better to have the conversation when the problem's this big rather than having to have the conversation when the problem is, you know, out of control, when you think, oh, I really should have handled this six months ago and I really should have told this person, hey, this is what I'm actually looking for or being clear. So I think you've got to think about it as it is tough initially, but it's so much better to handle it straight away than letting it fester and go on and on and on. And it's not good for your business. You know, it literally, if, if someone's not, if you've hired someone, you're paying them. And if they're not operating at, you know, the, the levels that they could operate at, you're going to lose money. You know, that, that's just the sad fact that if you can hire someone amazing, if you can get them going to the performance levels that you think, yeah, this is really going to help my team, that's really where you want to be, not necessarily worried about, oh, I feel bad, which I totally understand. But for performance levels, you know, you really want people to make sure they're all on the same page and all working for that one direction and that one goal, which is, you know, for your business or whatever your business goals are. Well, I'm grateful that you also bring up the return on the investment, the ROI, because again, Mm -hmm. that's a shift that a lot of therapists need to make. Often when people think we're talking about hiring, they think we're talking about fulfillment in terms Mm -hmm. of, yes, you have a large caseload. Yes, you have a lot of clients that are coming in your door. Here's another therapist. Here's another OT. Here's a, a CODA. Here's somebody who can help in the fulfillment piece. The tricky shift is, and I often, as I said, don't even recommend that right away. I recommend just outright paying people that aren't going to generate money for Mm -hmm. your company, which is a really hard shift to make. And so I'm underscoring your really valuable point by saying there is a return on that investment. You think it's just money going out, but if they're performing well, it's not because then you can focus on the $1,000, $10,000 CEO tasks that only you can do. So I'm, I'm grateful that you said that. Do you have any performance review? You said weekly, so we've talked about Mm -hmm. frequency. Do you have any performance review 
resources that you particularly love that we can highlight right now? I certainly do. I have actually some on my website, (laughs) as a matter of fact. Thank you for that set up, Trish. I do, yeah. That was awesome. We didn't even talk about that. Yeah, I have an onboarding checklist that is free. Yeah, and it really goes through. And then at the end of that, there is some pieces about setting up weekly meetings, setting up some KPIs as well. So yeah, we definitely have some free resources for your listeners. Good. What's a KPI for those who don't know? Ah, a key performance indicator. So often, again, you could perceive it as an, depending on your experience with KPIs, it really sets out what the goals that you have for this person or this position. So I even have recently set myself some CEO goals because I kind of realized I didn't have any. And it was really important for me to be kept accountable as well. So my team have, you know, do X number of social posts a week or X number of this, or or it's just setting a numerical value to something that at the end of the week, you can look at and say, okay, great. You've really performed well this week. We've, or we've, yeah, we've gone over and above the goals that we have set for you. And it doesn't have to be difficult. It could be, yes, a certain number of social posts or reaching out to a certain number of past clients and seeing if they want to rebook. Or it could be, yeah, bookings made in the clinic. You know, how many times did you rebook someone when they were standing there? How many times, you know, did you call and follow up people from their appointment or something like that? It could be, it could be anything, but it's just a way for you to keep in check. Okay. This person's performing pretty well, or, you know, you just know, okay, well, they haven't met any of their KPIs for the last, however many weeks or months, what's going on here. And you can really track at the time, like I said, in that real-time performance feedback, how everybody's going. Well, I started to geek out on this topic last year, or it might have been two years. Sometimes the I know we're not even going to cut this. We're going to leave this in because I don't know what year it was. It's been a blurry. It's it's all of like yeah. It's totally thank you for honoring that, and especially for those who are listening that are at that place of I'm not used to spending money to making money. So, for example, I have a social media manager and I have an operations manager and I have a copywriter. And social media and ops were kind of easy KPIs for me to figure out, but the copywriting Mm -hmm. one, I was like, dang. And that's something I could do. I'm actually a pretty decent writer and just didn't want to. I just, Mm -hmm. it wasn't a task I wanted to focus on. And so coming up with that KPI was trickier. And what we wound coming up, what we wound up coming up with was email open rates Mm -hmm. and click-throughs. And sometimes they're aggressive if we are selling something. And if it's, you know, here's our podcast email every week, they're not because we know what numbers keep the wheels on the bus. So I'm encouraging those of you who are listening, especially if it's like a VA or something that, I mean, that has a checklist to it. But if it's something that you Mm -hmm. feel you're putting money out and you're like, gee, I really don't know where this return is coming from, set it because it keeps it very clear for the person that's doing the job. And it keeps it very clear for why you are spending this money. It allows me every month to just be like, well, I know what I expect Mm. from those dollars. Definitely. And it gives the person who's doing it a, a bit of an order of importance of, okay, well, mm-hmm. this is this is where my priorities are. So it's really clear that and if you're, yeah, totally. It's, it's really important. Yeah. M- many of us that I see hiring in our world hire pretty well, I think, because mm. we're good people and we're personable and we're intelligent. And I mean, 
I went through like a million ops managers before I found the right one. I'm not saying we knock the cover off the ball every time, but none of them were horrible, right? It just wasn't the one. And there's something to be said for just handing those KPIs off to somebody. And what I want people to imagine is imagine somebody coming to you and saying, mid-month, every week, whatever it is, Trish, Karen, I'm not sure if I love these numbers. I know we're going to have an end-of-the-month check-in with these numbers. I still feel like I'm missing something. What do you think about these numbers? And all of a sudden, you're like, somebody loves my business. Yes. (laughs) It's like a really good babysitter. It's like an aunt or a grandma. Again, I'm I'm being gender-specific towards (laughs) women here, but I'm like, you love the baby too. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it's so exciting and it is empowering for people. They get ownership and get to decide, you know, what pieces they do when. And yeah, it makes them really engaged, which is so important for small businesses to have people that, yeah, love the baby too and that love your company as much as you do, which is really special. So yeah, if if you can get people that will give you that feedback and yeah, tell you mid-month, you know what, this is mm-hmm. this or, you know, it's amazing. So yeah, it can definitely be powerful for your business and it doesn't have to be terrifying, you know, set it up just as, right, what do I want this person to do? How many of mm-hmm. X do I want this person to do? It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. super complex. It can it really be really doesn't. basic. Yeah. It really can. Mm. I know our group and I know they'll go to your website and they'll look at your things, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. We'll have those in the podcast resources link in the show notes. Oh. I also know our people are massive researchers. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask the question again because I know people are going to want more info about your favorite resources that books or concepts or courses or something that kind of rocked your world. So, for example, Traction by Gina Wickman blew me away. I think it was two years ago when I was reading mm-hmm. Traction by Gina Wickman. And I was like, for those of you in the know, I was driving back from Vancouver to Calgary over Thanksgiving, having seen my son at university. My person was driving and it was 12 hours and I just <sighs> tore through this book. And that's when the whole oh, about ops and performance reviews and yeah. KPIs and everything kind of woke me up. What are some resources that you love? Oh, I have lots. I have all my books up here. Oh, I, I love you're looking at your bookshelf. I know. I'm just looking. I really like High Performance Habits by Brennan Bouchard. And I'm reading The High Five Habit as well by Mel Robbins. And also, what am I reading? The 5am Club at the moment by Robin Sharma, which is really cool. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm love listening to podcasts. So that I'm a I was just going to ask fan. you about podcasts. Thank you. Because yeah. I know our people love to consume audio. Yes. So those books now, when it's a real, I find when I really need a seminal text, like I would never tell anybody to listen to Traction. Mm-hmm. Audible because I'm like, dude, you need to margin the heck out of that thing. Yeah. You need all the pages, all the scribbles, all the everything. And I want you to look at it again and again. And I know some of those, when you get into the concept and you want some like good reminders, have podcasts. So which ones do you like? I really like, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm going to check my phone. I listen to loads like each day when I'm cooking or when I'm mm-hmm. walking home from dropping the kids from school or all of that stuff. I obviously listen to Foot Traffic podcast by Stacey Tushel. I love that. And Kathy Heller, Don't Keep Your Day Job or the Kathy Heller Show. I really love her stuff. Okay, good. She's amazing. Good. Um, and also Marketing Secrets by Russell Brunson. I like a whole kind of host of different you stuff do. and then there's some local Australian ones and then Amy Porterfield I think she's amazing so I definitely try and listen to yeah different marketing ones or mm-hmm. small business or just anything that 
yeah, anything that I think, oh, might give me like a grain of an idea that you can go with or, or just yeah. something that you think, oh, I did not know that. Yes, <laughs> and I probably should have, but, you know, piece. all of that stuff. That's yeah. So piece. I love listening to podcasts because sometimes reading, you know, my kids are young, so yeah. I might get like a few minutes at nighttime. And then so books tend to take me a little while. Can I tell you something somebody said to me about a month ago and I just didn't understand? They said, sure. where do you find the time to listen to podcasts? What? Where don't you listen to podcasts? That's what I said. <laughs> yes. I'm like, sometimes I need to turn them off so that there's silence so my brain yeah. can rest. I'm like, I, I have, I'm, you know, wearing loungy clothes today because I'm home. It's my home mm-hmm. day. And I have pockets in these pants. And at one point I was doing the laundry and I had a podcast on my phone in the pocket of these pants. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. yeah I listen I to one cooking dinner. So the kids are playing yeah. and I'll like cook dinner and listen to a podcast and it's amazing. I know. I, I, love I thought you'd, I yeah. thought you'd like, I thought you'd resonate with that. Yeah. That's wild. So before we wrap up and ask kind of our fast action questions at the end, I'm curious if there's any other big mistake that you see that people make, because I don't want to just blow past that because we've had a few detours. Is there any other mm. big mistake that you see people make either in the start, grow, or scale phase that just automatically comes to mind? So I think we've talked about the communication and just mm-hmm. not communicating when you should be. Probably the next bit is not having the documents or procedures in place is a big one. So not having, you know, getting contracts done at the start or policies that people will sign. And I know that might be getting into a little bit, your listeners might be starting to glaze over, but well, it is or really panic. important. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it so is why really is it important? important? Because then if someone is not performing, it really helps in kind of the the complete other end. If someone's not performing, you know, you've been talking to them about their performance regularly, you know, they know what they should be doing, you know what they should be doing and they're not, or they're not behaving in the way that is what you agreed to at the start. You've got those documents in place to say, hey, you know, you've signed these documents, you agreed to abide by, you know, this, this and this, and you're not. So we really need to talk about that. So it really gives you uh, some I guess, to make it easier if things aren't going well. So if you don't have any documents in place, they can say, well, I didn't know, or I, you know, there's, if they've signed nothing, then there's nothing to back you up. Whereas if you've got documents signed that they said, okay, I'm not going to, you know, just even behaving in front of clients or, you know, how they should present to work or how, you know, what to do if there's, an injury or an emergency or anything at all, if you've got those employment policies in place, it is really easy to be backed up by it. And I do not have a legal background at all, but I really feel comforted if, if there's something goes wrong or there's an issue, I'll go back to my policies and go, okay, great. Do we have this in here? Yes, we do. Okay, fantastic. So we know it's just kind of an extra layer of protection. If someone's not performing, it just makes it a lot easier to to move them on, I think, in that setting. So, yeah, it helps you deal with the hard stuff fairly smoothly. I will say that now I'm curious as to your opinion. I didn't recreate the wheel. I've developed contracts in a few different ways. I've Mm -hmm. gone to lawyers. I've gone to friends who had similar businesses. And then I found the online contracts markets. Yeah. Where people, so I use one called contractsmarketliterally.com, mm-hmm. and she's a Canadian person, but it's a universal contract. At least it is for the U.S., she says. I don't know about Australia or anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And they're a lawyer, and they've decided to like yeah. make this a marketplace. And I have found those very helpful because all the, you know, 
all the important things are there. Yeah. And then it's a matter of tweaking. So it's a more of a burden in the beginning. And this mm-hmm. is a hack to at least make it easier. And then you have these things in place. Do you agree with that approach? Yeah, I think something is so much better than nothing. So getting something set up and if, you know, down the track, I try and review mine every 12 months just Mm -hmm. to say, hey, is this still relevant? Am I still doing this? Do I need to kind of get the lawyer to just recheck it and make sure it's still okay? And then it's obviously a lot smaller cost. If it's already developed, you can just say, hey, is this still, is this still good? But yeah, definitely having something in place is just so helpful. And it is really an insurance policy if things go wrong that everyone's agreed to abide by these conditions. And if they're not, then it's, yeah, it just makes it so simple. So yeah, absolutely. However you can get it done, get it done. Perfect. That's really good to know. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for the rapid fire questions? I am. I'm very excited. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) What is your biggest, so remember where the OTs get paid podcasts. So most of these are centered around, okay, money. So what is your biggest personal money splurge, Karen? I just bought a coffee machine. Ooh. So which is exciting. Um Let's but be it, if that's your biggest. Well, I know I'm not very flashy, but it's because I my I don't actually drink coffee. It's for my husband. <laughs> But that is the most OT answer I've ever heard from a non-OT. <laughs> so it's a very modest thing that you bought. And actually, it's not even for me. <laughs> yeah, it's not for me. It's more, but I, I only drink one type of coffee and I think you might enjoy it. It's um, Tim Horton's French Vanilla Cappuccino. I love Are you Tim kidding Horton's. me? Oh my God. It's, I don't even drink coffee, but when I was in Canada, I was like, oh my God, this stuff is like gold. I loved it. You were it. in Canada? I was. Yeah, I've been to Canada. So, oh my God, Tim Horton's. Is oh my god! And so I, <laughs> so that's my that. favorite coffee, but we can't get it here. So I, yeah, it, I bought a coffee machine which I won't use, but <laughs> I, it's because I, yeah, I don't have Tim Hortons here. <laughs> okay, so for those of you, I think in the United States, and I can't give many references because I haven't lived all around the world. Yep. Tim Hortons, sorry, not sorry, is not great coffee. It is like yeah, the Dunkin' yeah, I, Donuts. I, I know it's kind of garbage. Like it's yeah. kind of lousy. <laughs> Yeah, but it's you everywhere. It was on like it's, every street corner. It is. Yeah. It's and, every street corner. Even little tiny of, towns. Yeah. It's like everywhere. So oh God, yeah, it's so when funny. I was in Canada, I was like, what's this? And I tried it. And I was like, like locals I even do. had Yeah. And um some friends, some Canadian friends from my our wedding sent us like a packet of like the tops for of <laughs> French Villa Cappuccino. Yeah, I love it. Oh my god. It's, I, it's probably so not awesome. good for me. <laughs> I imagine there's a lot of sugar in it, but it's super. Well, yeah. you can't get it every day, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's I know, fun. I know. So, okay. yeah, I love that. Best answer yeah. to the question I've heard before, <laughs> or most surprising answer. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what about business-related expenses? What's your biggest business-related splurge? Well, I don't know. No, I think I'm fairly boring. I think tech, maybe. I like mm-hmm. computers. I like phones and getting kind of good tech to help support me. So I got a new computer. My laptop was kind of playing up and I thought, you know, there's no point limping along. I'm just going to get a really nice setup. So yeah, I probably tech, I think. Great. Well, and the mastermind. I mean, we spent... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The mastermind was... <laughs> I spent five figures on it. I'm pretty sure you did too, but that's the yes. point. That was a huge... Yeah. The conversion point. kills you, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Ditto. <laughs> Ditto. Okay. Where do you have paid help in your life? In the business as well, or just personal? both. Okay. So I do have a bookkeeper 
And as well as a small team, I've got a team of two permanent and then a bookkeeper. And my husband is unpaid and does all of my rates for me, which is terribly helpful. And in my personal life, we have a cleaner that comes in every fortnight. And then my daughter goes to childcare and things like that when, and I've got older kids at school. So I think that's about it. Perfect. Last question. If I could wave my magic money wand, Karen, and put seven figures Australian or no USD, so it would convert even Ooh, higher. I, think. I like that. Okay, yeah, we'll go definitely. in your favor. We'll go in your favor and put seven figures into your business right now. What would you spend it on? Oh, that's really exciting, and I hope you do that. Um, I think I would spend you're more it likely on... to get some French vanilla cappuccino yeah. coffee from me than seven figures. I'm just, God, it's, it's just probably this managing expectations. Here. Um, I would spend it on marketing, I think, and hiring more staff to expand our geographical area that we recruit in. So marketing and people, I think it would be my two areas that I think I'd be able to use it up. What would you do more with marketing? I'm curious. I think just, you know, more print ads, more online, just really getting getting the name out there. Because I think a lot with advertising, I think, oh, I don't want to spend too much or how much is too much. So I don't Mm. really know. And I think if I had all that money, I'd probably be a little less conscious about, Mm. you know, penny pinching, I suppose. So I'd just go, great, Mm. let's spend it. Let's really get the name out there. And Mm. um, yeah, and then hire lots of staff in different areas to really grow our footprint. So Mm. yeah, I could, I think I could use it fairly quickly. I reckon you could do. Yeah. (laughs) So could I, by the way. Yeah. Karen, thank you so much. It was really, you know, it's what I love most about this interview might surprise you. And that is, and I kind of said it in the middle, like, you're kind of one of us, not to be a turkey about it, but you, you're, you know, you're like modest. You are running a business without being super elaborate. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got little kids. You're very relatable to the people mm-hmm. that are listening right. to this podcast. And I i mean, that wasn't a necessity by bringing you on here, but I feel as though you've given us not only really great information about operations through HR, but also it's another insight to those of us who are listening and feel somewhat isolated. They feel mm-hmm. like they're the only person kind of doing what they're doing. They People don't really understand OT. They don't really understand what it's like to be a female-identifying small business owner. And lo and behold, there's this woman in Australia who has a completely different business, and yet Mm -hmm. so many of your answers were so familiar to those of us. So you've made people feel – you've not only given really great information, but you've also made all these listeners feel less alone. Wonderful. Thank you so much. That's so kind. You're so welcome. For people to find you, we have a link to your website in the podcast show notes. Go there, please. And thank you so much, Karen. Thank you so much. This has been OTs Get Paid, recorded live in Studio C. That's Studio Closet. I'm Trish Williams. If you had feedback on today's episode, send us a DM on IG at OTs Get Paid or join our Facebook group at OTs Get Paid. We would really love to hear from you. We'd also love it if you could subscribe and write a review for the podcast. Each month, I'll pick a random review for a shout out to get your name and business on the air. Until next time. 